1: Welcome to Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugard. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me at. You know I'm verified. You know how that goes. Uh, Chris, talk to him.
2: What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's ckid 206
1: All right, it's the middle of the week, so you know what that means. We have a special guest on the program as the Seahawks prepare to go to Buffalo to face Josh Allen in the Bills. We have Matthew Fairburn. He covers the Bills for the Athletic. Matt, what up, man? How you doing?
3: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
1: I'm doing all right. Team six and one, looking hot. You know, that's uh, that's always good. You know.
3: Yeah, I mean, Bills fans out here are you know enjoying this six and two start. It hasn't always been pretty, but you know when you can have a six and two record and have some breathing room in the division, and during November, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Before we get into football, Mike and I always want to hear the other side and what other teams and players, what they're doing social justice wise. I just want to see what have the Bills done or what are they doing to bring awareness to this issue, to this ongoing issue?
3: Yeah, the Bills, uh, you know, made a point over the summer. Um, in August when they kind of got together and they were back in training camp and able to meet in person. And, you know, they they wanted to find a way to, you know, go beyond words and try to take some action and and start at home. And and so they – raised, a, you know, a lot of money and and donated, you know, funds so that 4,500 homes in the Buffalo public school system could have, you know, students would have internet. Um, and I think that was sort of the, the crux of what they wanted to get done. They've also had a lot of, um, you know, trying to raise awareness around participating in the census to make sure that those inner-city schools can get the funding uh, from the state. Uh, There's obviously, you know, I think league-wide been a huge push uh, to get people registered to vote and to, you know, get people out participating, and they haven't really, you know, shied away from that at all. Uh, Jerry Hughes in particular has kind of been out at the forefront of that, really uh, vocal in the last few weeks. It wasn't just a one-time reminder. They've kind of been uh, hammering the point home to make sure that people know to vote. So, you know, between, you know, a mix of, uh, you know, donating some of their money, donating a lot of their time, um, you know, uh, they're constantly visiting the Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, down in the the city of Buffalo. So really, you know, you know, this is a team that spends a lot of its time in Orchard Park. They practice and play in Orchard Park, uh, you know, a suburb about 25 minutes south of Buffalo. But they really want to. Um, you know, make a point to have a presence in the whole community and in, in the city, and um, they've done
2: that with their money and their time uh, the
1: last few months. And then some uh, some Seahawks players here have you know done similar things, and one of the, the things that they've been doing is uh, wearing names on their their helmet decals, whether there's victims of just racism or police brutality. Uh, has Buffalo been uh, guys been doing that as well.
3: Yeah, they have. They they you know have a, a wide um, you know variety of of names and, and of, you know, victims. And I think, you know, too, that um, a lot of it's personal for, for these guys, right? It's a guy from their, you know, hometown or, or somebody that, um, you know, a, a certain story that's really hit home with them. And you can tell that that guys are, are taking it Um, you know, pretty personally and trying to really make a statement. And they have also been staying in the locker room for the National Anthem. Uh, You know, that's been a consistent uh, theme for them throughout the season. So um, I know a handful of teams have
2: done that. And, you know, every team's kind of handling differently, but that's what the, the Bills have been doing. All right. Well, let's just get ready for some football. We have a fun matchup coming up on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, Seahawks and Buffalo Bills, that is. I want to just know off top, have the Bills surpassed your expectations, whether it be win-losses or the play of Josh Allen? What have you seen from this team so far this season?
3: You know, it's weird because in the first month of the season, Josh Allen and this offense far exceeded my expectations. Uh, They played at a level that I was not sure that they were capable of playing at. Josh Allen in particular – was off to a crazy start Um, really only matched by a few quarterbacks in the league uh, one of which the guy you guys cover Russell Wilson Uh, but in the last month, the team has really cooled off, uh, especially on offense. They haven't been putting up nearly as many points. Josh Allen hasn't been quite the same guy throwing the ball down the field, and as a result, you know they've you know lost a couple of games. The defense hasn't played particularly well this year, so there, there's been some inconsistency with this team. They're still six and two. I don't think that's far exceeding what. You know, a lot of people around here expected after a ten and six season last year, and a similar start last year. In fact, Um, basically they've they've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat, and. They've lost to the two really good teams that they played in their conference and the Chiefs and the Titans. So uh, it's been a mixed bag for this team through eight games, and we're still trying to figure out, I guess, what the real version of this team is because if it's if this offense can be anything close to what it was in the first month of the season, they could have a pretty dangerous team. But if it looks like it, it did in the last month, then uh, I think they're going to be pretty similar to what they were in 2019.
1: And, Matt, this is your first time joining us on the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. Appreciate you doing so. Uh, one of my like ongoing things that I do every week when we have a guest is I ask uh, the same question um, about the same position. I'm going to ask you this as well. Is Josh Allen good? Man, um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that
3: is a convoluted question. <laughs> um, I don't really know yet. Uh, I, think, I think he's good. Uh, I, I think at this point we can – Um, you know he he can hit that baseline level even you know this year his bad games his down moments have not been as bad as they were last year Uh, in the first month of the season he looked great and I don't think we can say that that is who he is just yet I do think he's a good quarterback I think he's a passable quarterback but the Bills are in this middle ground of trying to answer that all-important question of, is he good enough? Is he good enough to get you, not just to the playoffs, but to a championship, and is he good enough to make you a contender, basically on his own, Um, the way Russell Wilson does with the Seahawks, right? There's a certain level of quarterback that it almost doesn't matter what's happening with the rest of the roster. The team is almost considered a contender every single year because they have that quarterback. I don't think Josh Allen is at that level yet. In the first month of the season, he looked like a player who was capable of reaching that level. He was carrying this team. Uh, He was pushing the ball downfield. He was racking up tons of yards, a ton of touchdowns. His overall numbers for the season still look very good, Uh, but, there have been some moments that, that give you pause uh, and make you wonder, um, not necessarily whether he's good, but whether he's ever going to be that, you know, top five to eight quarterback in the NFL that he looked like in the first month
1: of the year. You know, this I don't watch Josh a ton, obviously, just because uh, just I don't. But when I do watch him, it's very interesting. He has those moments where I'm like, oh, OK, this is. This guy was in the first round. Like, I get that. And then he just has, like, a, almost like a brain fart, whether it's, like, just the pitch in the playoff game last year or I think he tried something similar this year. I think, did, Chris, did he try to throw it on a run play this year? Like, it, it just moments where you're like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, has he, like, set, shed any light on why those things happen amongst all the good plays he can make?
3: Yeah, it's really bizarre because there's certain elements about Josh Allen that are, you know, that are tough to coach in a quarterback that he has, you know, he's, he's tough. He's um, able to take to coaching and make improvements and um, willing to stand in the pocket. He's, he's not afraid of making mistakes. He's a really good leader. Um, You know, he's, he's got some good, you know, improvisational skills where he can make plays off of schedule. But those moments that you talk about haven't really disappeared from his game. He got a lot better in the second part of the season last year at avoiding interceptions, but in some crucial moments, like you point out, that playoff game against Houston, you know, some of those old habits, you know, kind of crept back into his game. They also have in the last month or so where he's throwing more interceptions because of the way teams are playing him on defense. So he's a guy that, you know, has, has said that he needs to, Kind of calm himself down. And I think that's part of why he's been a bit better this year is there's no fans in the stands here in Buffalo, and you know obviously limited capacity in a lot of stadiums around the league. Uh, it's not that he gets nervous or uh, rattled by the crowd. He almost gets too amped up and he plays the position. Um, you know, like he's almost like he's a linebacker. he He plays with so much energy. And you know you need a bit bit more calmness at the quarterback position you don't need to get it all on one play you don't need to lateral it to your tight end in the middle of a play <laughs> to try to get a few extra yards you know there's there's other you know examples of stuff like that I mean he's putting his body on the line so consistently I mean it's like every play is the last play of the game and he needs every single yard he could get so he's still figuring out how to balance that a little bit but at the same time he's in year three and to some extent that stuff is part of who he is Uh, and I think he'll he'll start to smooth it out a little bit you can already see that
4: this year those bad games and bad moments aren't quite as head scratching and
3: aren't you know the lows aren't as low as they used to be but that part of him still comes out because that's who he is it's the same guy who's making big plays because he's throwing the ball down the field or taking off and running it's the same guy who you know will get a little bit too aggressive and have a turnover I, I say he's a big play waiting to happen it's just a matter of which whether the offense or defense is going to get the big play because he's always you know being aggressive putting the ball on the line and putting his own body on the line
1: yeah, no, yeah, definitely a big play either way. Uh, <laughs> coming with uh, with Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, early in the year, yeah, he was letting it fly a little bit. Um, you know, uh being that downfield threat. Like what are teams doing differently maybe to to shut that down in recent weeks?
3: Teams have been playing a ton of zone coverage uh in the first month of the season. Teams are playing a lot of man coverage and playing man coverage against this team is going to be really hard. It's not going to be the formula to stop these guys. Josh Allen has four legitimate receivers who can beat you stefan diggs john brown cole beasley and the rookie gabriel davis and they were carving teams up uh, when they were playing man coverage so a lot of teams and i think part of this was last year josh allen was one of the worst deep passers in football uh, by pretty much every metric and so i think teams looked at that and said all right let's make this guy beat us deep and once he did it for a month you know teams figured out all right We're not just going to let this guy throw the ball over the top of us. And the Titans started the trend of dropping more players into coverage, playing more zone coverage, giving him a lot of the underneath throws and basically saying, all right, if Josh Allen has to have a 10-play, 75-yard drive to get to the end zone, we're going to bank on, you know, the fact that at some point he'll probably make a mistake along the way. If you make him go down the field in 10 plays, he's more likely to make a mistake than if he can hit a long pass that goes for 40 plus, and then the field shrinks, and you know he's he's able to you know make things happen a lot easier, and that's really been kind of the simple formula. The Patriots played a ton of dime last week and really limited the passing game. He has now been he has the worst passer rating in the league over the last four weeks on passes that travel 10 or more yards in the air. At the beginning of the year, he was lighting teams up down the field he was you know it was the missing element of his game last year and he found it in the first month of the season it's disappeared over the last month and a lot of it is because of how teams are playing you know more zone two deep safeties and just kind of letting him have
2: some underneath stuff you mentioned the talent the buffalo bills have at wide receiver and one guy i do want to talk to you or ask you about is stefan diggs right now he is on pace to having career highs Talk about what he's been able to do with the new quarterback, new offense, and just how productive he has been.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
2: Yeah,
3: he's a stud, man. I mean, he's, just what they needed uh you know they they go out and trade a first round pick for a guy and you almost don't know what to expect uh because you know there were stories in minnesota about him you know becoming a little bit disenchanted with his role or his quarterback or whatever else you never know um how true some of it is but then he comes here, and they don't really have much of an offseason. You know, you get the short training camp, no preseason, but they've found a way to hit the ground running. And, uh, you know, I think Josh Allen recognizes, you know, where his bread is butter a little bit. And certainly Stephon Diggs is the guy that unlocks a lot for this passing game. He's one of the best deep receivers in football, tracks the ball exceptionally well down the field. He's also able to create yards after the catch and, and able to get open really quickly, um, you know, at the line of scrimmage, that separation ability helps the quarterback like Josh Allen, whose placement isn't always pinpoint. Uh, and they've been feeding him the ball. And when you have Stefan Diggs on the outside and you're able to move him around, you know, they move him into the slot occasionally and, um, you know, he becomes this chess piece for you. It opens things up for John Brown and Cole Beasley, who are actually a, a pretty good one two punch for this team last year. And then you got, you know, rookie Gabriel Davis as your number four. Uh, it just, really opens up the offense to have a true number one receiver the way that Stephon Diggs is. And, uh, you know, it's it's been amazing really to see how quickly Josh Allen has leaned on him as his go-to guy. It's, it's funny, the top two receivers uh, in terms of yardage in the NFL, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, are playing on new teams. So uh, this offseason didn't really impact the ability to get
2: on the same page with the quarterback. You said something cool about Cole Beasley, and I remember seeing a video of him on YouTube dunking the basketball, and he's only, I want to say, about 5'9", right? He's not the tallest guy. Yeah,
3: he's uh, 5'9 might be generous. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm around 5'9", 5'10", and I feel like Cole Beasley usually looks up at me.
2: Okay, there it is. So he's undersized, but he's a talented wide receiver. Can you talk about the acquisition of Cole Beasley as of late?
3: he's a really good player uh you know i don't think he was always used properly in dallas uh, and those are that's how cole beasley feels he's, he hasn't been shy about uh saying that over the last couple of years but in brian dable's offense the slot receiver is a really important player and he has some freedom in his routes he, he has some option routes he has you know routes that change depending on the coverage and he's Really smart about how he runs those routes. But you mentioned, you know, that video of him dumping a basketball. Um, you know, just because he's tiny and, you know, he, he's not, you know, a big, strong guy, this guy is really quick and gets open and finds. He's been Josh Allen's best friend in, since teams have switched to zone coverage because he's really good at finding the spots in zone uh, and finding the openings and, you know, being a safety valve for Josh Allen. And Allen clearly trusts him. You know, it's a guy that, you know, When you run timing routes like like Beasley does and routes where uh, you have some freedom, it takes a little bit of time to get on the same page with the quarterback, and you saw that early last year, but since then, he's become a guy that Josh Allen knows he can trust. Um, He's really tough over the middle of the field. Uh, He's really just become um you know a really nice player for them uh, one of the better slot receivers in the league i think um you know and a guy that you know even in the red zone they look for him because he'll go over the middle and make a catch he'll take a hit uh, and hang on to the football and so when they, when they need a play he's one of the guys that they look for
1: you know the more i think about it yeah it's not that surprising he's got some pretty productive receivers all of these guys just they just kind of get open you know i mean it's, it's really simple they're receivers but. <laughs> like they're all just good at like getting getting open and what we've seen from Josh he definitely needs you to be open at least down the field um you know we'll switch to the other side of the the ball really quick you know Seahawks are supposed to have a really good secondary this year like top five top three even after they got Jamal Adams that hasn't been the case but when we were having those discussions we were throwing Buffalo in there like yeah it's a good secondary Pittsburgh it doesn't seem like Buffalo's really lived up to that uh, either not as bad as Seattle but why do you think The Buffalo secondary hasn't come together the way maybe people thought it would in the offseason.
4: Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a big question around here. And, you know, it is tough to play defense in the NFL in 2020 with the rules and everything else. There's, uh, you know, empty stadiums. Uh, there's some factors that are causing points to go up across the board. Uh, and that's, it's tough to sustain, you know, defensive success the way the Bills have had over the last few years they have a lot of the same players. You know, they have Tredavious white at cornerback, Micah Hyde Hyden, Jordan Poyer uh, at safety, you know, one of the better safety tandem tandems in the league over the last few years. Uh, they've had some problems at number two cornerback, Josh Norman's gotten hurt. Uh, Levi Wallace was banged up for a while. He's back, but you know, that's been kind of a revolving door over at that number two spot. Their nickel corner spot has been a problem. Um, Taron Johnson is a guy that can can really get beat um, in coverage. He's a good run defender, but he's struggled in coverage and teams have targeted him a lot this year, so I think that's part of it. Also, last year they played a really weak schedule as far as the quarterbacks that they faced. They didn't have to face a lot of the top passers in football. That probably helped uh, the perception of that unit as a whole, but I don't think Tredavious White has been quite as good as he was a year ago when he was an All-Pro, uh, the safety tandem, you know, hasn't been great. Jordan Poyer is playing pretty well, but they're not making a lot of big plays. And then the other thing that doesn't help them is, you know, Matt Milano, their top cover linebacker, has been, you know, banged up this year. First a hamstring, now a pec injury. Tremaine Edmonds, their middle linebacker, has been banged up. That all plays into the passing game as well because they haven't gotten the contributions and coverage. From their linebackers that they're used to getting, their pass rush has been somewhat inconsistent. So there's problems all over this defense, and they're showing up on a week-to-week basis. The run defense has probably been the bigger problem, uh, but the pass defense just hasn't been targeted quite as often, frankly. And they, they when they played the Chiefs uh, a few weeks ago, they basically sold out to stop the pass. Um, you know that was their excuse for allowing 245 rushing yards was well you know we didn't want to let up any big plays over the top of our defense and they didn't but Patrick Mahomes still completed 80 percent of his passes for you know 260 yards or so and two touchdowns so even in selling out to stop that they still got uh you know crushed a little bit in the passing game so it's just been it's been a tough go all around for this defense and they're still searching for answers
1: so if they were, so how do you think they'll fare against uh, what Tyler Lockett has declared the best receiving duo in the league? I think it's going to be the toughest matchup they've had all
3: season long, and that'll probably be true for a lot of the teams the Seahawks face. Uh, the, the Bills played the Chiefs, like I mentioned, and they they handled Tyreek Hill pretty well. You know, they they limited him, bottled him up. I think he had like three catches for twenty yards or something. Um, but Travis Kelsey got loose a little bit in that game and like I said, the Chiefs ran for two hundred and forty five yards. They didn't really need to throw the ball. Against the Seahawks, it's such an interesting matchup because Tyler Lockett could do so much damage out of the slot and that's been such a big problem for the Bills. And you can't really have Tredavious White, you know, with with Tyree Kill it was like, okay, if Tredavious White follows him around and you have a little bit of help with him, you should be able to lock him up but if you do that to the seahawks you know you still have to deal with uh tyler lockett if you do that with dk metcalf you got to deal with tyler lockett if you do it to tyler lockett you got to deal with dk metcalf so i don't think the bills have a cornerback and this again this is probably true of a lot of teams but i don't think they have a cornerback that can really match up with dk metcalf Uh, the guy is crazy physical talent uh with the size and speed that he has and those haven't been the the receivers that tradavious white has handled the best uh over his career so they'll probably play a lot of zone coverage um you know probably hope that the seahawks don't run the ball too much and and just you know drop extra guys back but they don't really have the personnel in my opinion to match up um, with this group of receivers a year ago maybe i would have you know been a little bit more confident that they could come up with a plan to scheme around it but you know the weather is going to be pretty decent in orchard park this weekend russell wilson should have time to throw they've struggled with mobile quarterbacks guys that can extend the play so you know those big plays in the passing game i feel like they're going to be there for the seahawks and uh, i think lockett in particular should have a pretty easy
1: time getting open. Yeah, I wouldn't even feel bad if I was the Bills. Like, if you're just watching tape and you're like, "Man, we don't have anybody to guard 14," it's like, you know what? No one does, Coach. <laughs> that's just kind of kind of. Well, actually, no, I won't say no one. The Cardinals apparently do. Patrick Peterson has held DK to two catches in two games, and and a pick. So maybe that's it. So I, I think if you're listening here and you're worried about fantasy implications, sounds like Lockett might be the uh, uh, a good a good play uh, this week. Um, I want to talk about a former Seahawk. Um, Friend, of, not friend of the show because he hasn't been on, but definitely just a cool cat to chop it up with. He's a sneakerhead like me. Signed with Buffalo. It's defensive tackle, defensive end uh, hybrid. Quentin Jefferson. Um, how's he been doing up there in his first year in Buffalo?
3: You know, he's been fairly quiet, uh, kind of you know, relative to what I think people expected. But the problem Quentin Jefferson has had is that he hasn't really gotten to play the role that they envisioned for him because they've had injuries and and opt-outs on the interior of their defensive line that have caused a lot of pieces to move around. And I feel like he hasn't quite found his home on this defensive line with just a consistent role. He's had some good games um, and he's had some good moments, which is true of a lot of the individuals on, um, you know, the bills defensive line. But, um, you know, it's also been, a little bit up and down he's been a little bit banged up uh, but he has had some good games he's been in the backfield fairly consistently and like you mentioned he is uh, unfortunately we're not in the locker room this year but even over zoom you can tell he's he's a fun guy to to chat with real engaging brings some energy up front that i know they really appreciate and needed after losing Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips in free agency Jefferson was kind of just the type of guy that they needed along with Mario Addison to You know, replace that energy and bring some juice to the defensive line room when, like I said, you don't have crowds. You don't have, you know, a lot of the things where you can usually get externally motivated during a game. You need some of those those guys that can, you know, bring that bring that type of energy. And and Jefferson's definitely been one of those guys.
1: You know, Chris, I just realized when when we were talking about Cole Beasley, I was like, man, when you said he hooped, I was like, yeah, that's right. He can play basketball. But I was like, doesn't he do something else? It's like I feel like I remember I was like, oh, he raps.
2: Oh, Did you know Cole Beasley raps. You sent me something last season. I'm pretty sure about him rapping.
1: Yeah, yeah. Matt, have you heard Cole Beasley rap? I have, I have. It's not terrible. <laughs> uh,
2: it's, it's not the worst I've ever
3: heard uh, for a, for an athlete. He takes it pretty seriously. He puts a lot into it, and I know he had a new album out last year. I think um, right before the start of the season. So. He puts a lot into that. He's uh, yeah, he's got some layers to him. That
1: Cole Beasley. Yeah, this this might be the most musically inclined receiving matchup in the league because DK Metcalf also raps. He's made his debut to the rap game this year. He hasn't dropped a project yet, but he's got a couple guest verses. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, someone else, Tyler Lockett is a rapper slash. Poet. Uh, p- slash poet. Yeah, he's he just dropped the uh, audio version of a poetry book he dropped last year. Like, yeah, I need to – I'm going to get on Zoom this week, uh, Matt. We, you should ask Cole Beasley about it. Let see if I can get DK to do We need, like, some friendly trash talk between the rappers on this team. Like, we can we get that going this week?
3: Oh, that's a great call. Uh, Cole, I'm sure Cole uh, will not shy away either. I think he's got he's got a fair amount of confidence in, in his rap game, and I, you know, I think he he surprises some people when they they turn it on. Um, he's he's pretty good. Pretty good in that uh, that department. So yeah, we, we definitely got a we got to spark a little rivalry heading into
1: Summit. I'm I'm sure Cole Beasley's been surprising people in just his whole life. Just like when he get on the field, uh, when he gets on the basketball court, and then he starts rapping. Where's is Cole? Is Cole Where's Cole Beasley from, man? I'm gonna look that up real quick. He's from Texas. Uh, um, oh, it makes okay. sense He's now. <laughs> went to
3: SMU, and uh, yeah, he actually like gets kind of angry about it like when he first signed with buffalo there was you know somebody that saw him out in public was like man he look just like me like he's, you know, <laughs> five, eight, you, know one, you know however heavy he is he's tiny uh and he does just look like a normal dude when he's walking around he's like 5'8 175 um basically looks like me and um, you know certainly uh, a lot faster a lot quicker uh incredible athlete, um, you know, and, and, you know, just a really smart player, but, yeah, he's, he kind of carries that chip on his shoulder, because uh, people, people have a quick judgment of him.
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's breaking a lot of... (laughs) I just, I, I like I just typed in Cole Beasley dunk just on Google. That's it. And the first thing that comes up is white men can jump Cole Beasley <laughs> 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 on YouTube. I'm sure that does, that does set him off. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna close it out with uh, some of our favorite part of the show. We don't always do an over under, uh, and we also have a game prediction from the opposing team beat rider. We'll start with the over under. We're gonna do two. I couldn't decide, so we're gonna pick both. First one is over under seven and a half catches uh, for Stephon Diggs.
3: I'm going to take the over. But, man, that number has gone up. In games earlier this season, he was around like three and a half. It was like the easiest money you could make um, hitting the over on that. Seven and a half is a more appropriate number, a lot tougher to bet on. But he gets targeted a lot. And I'm guessing the Bills are going to be playing you know, catch up at times during this game. It's going to be one of those games where they have to throw a lot to keep up with the Seahawks, so I'm going to take the over on the seven-and-a-half catches.
1: All right. Uh, let's go with uh next. Is passing yards for Josh Allen 270-and-a-half?
3: That's a good number, too. I'm taking the over because if, I, if I'm taking the over on Beasley getting eight catches, that probably should help Josh Allen get a good chunk of the way to 300 yards. And if the Seahawks do to the Bills what I think they will, then he may just frack up close to 300 yards you know playing catch up most of the game so I think he'll hit the over it might not be the prettiest game for Josh Allen but I think he'll get some yards
1: Yeah, the thing about Josh Allen is I don't know I don't even know if I want to see a pretty game I just want to see the full Josh Allen experience it's almost like when they played Jameis last year and I was disappointed because Jameis didn't throw an interception which is weird as that sounds I just wanted to see him do it (laughs) I wanted to see Jameis throw three picks And three touchdowns. Like, I wanted the full Jameis Winston experience. Uh, We'll close this out with a game prediction. Who you got?
3: I've got the Seahawks winning this game and comfortably covering that spread. I think they'll win by 10 points. I'll say Mm. Um, 38-28. I know the Seahawks' defense hasn't been much to write home about this year, but this bill's you know maybe that's what this bill's passing offense needs to get back on track they were able to run the ball pretty well last week
2: i don't really think the offense will be a huge problem for buffalo but nobody's
3: containing the seahawks right now in the passing game and i don't see the bills as the team that will do that because you know they've had problems on defense throughout the year i don't know if sean mcdermott you know has played too many quarterbacks as good as Russell Wilson. You know they played Patrick Mahomes a few weeks ago, but uh, Russell Wilson is different, and he's playing out of his mind right now. So I'm not, I'm not betting against him. And, and the way the Bills have played in the last month, I just don't think they're the team that'll bring him
1: down. All right, I mean, yeah, betting against Russell Wilson's been a bad bet pretty much every every week. So that's that's except fair. for Arizona, yeah, except for the Arizona <laughs> game, and even even then he was like still good. He had the turnover in uh, overtime. That kind of sealed it. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us. Uh, We appreciate you making your debut. Um, Hey, real quick, are you verified on Twitter?
4: I think I am.
3: I'm trying to think. I think that's thanks to the athletic got me verified, or maybe it was my previous employer. um, Had to jump through some
1: hoops. So it's just you, Chris. That's not verified on Twitter. We'll get you. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. (laughs) We're working on trying to get Chris a blue blue check on. There. Before we close out here, Matt, where can they follow you on your verified Twitter account? Uh, You can find me at Matthew
3: Fairburn, just how it sounds, spelled just how it sounds, F-A-I-R-B-U-R-N. And, yeah, the the blue check mark isn't all it's chopped up to be, uh,
1: (laughs) so don't worry about it, Chris. (laughs) Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate the love, man. (laughs) Uh, All right, we appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Make sure you guys tune in. We'll be right back uh, this Sunday after the Seahawks finally beat the Bills.
6: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in